Dear loving Father in heaven, glory be unto your name for the privilege of life. And we pray, Lord, that this life that you have given to us, that we shall use it to bring praise and honor and glory to your name. We look forward to our characters being transformed into the image of our Lord Jesus. We want to be more and more like you, dear Lord. Please fulfill your will in our lives. As we go through your word now, grant us of your spirit and help us, Lord, that we shall learn lessons that will make us to become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. Put your words in my mouth and I pray, Lord, that your words spoken shall sanctify each and every one of us. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, September 29. The Highest Honor And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 to many minds, a deep mystery surrounds the faith of John the Baptist. They question why he should, he should have been left to languish and die in prison. The mystery of this dark providence our human vision cannot penetrate, but it can never shake our confidence in God when we remember that John was but a sharer in the sufferings of Christ. Jesus did not interpose to deliver his servant. He knew that John would bear the test. Gladly would the Savior have come to John to brighten the dungeon gloom with his own presence. But he was not to place himself in the hands of enemies and imperil his own mission. Gladly would he have delivered his faithful servant. But for the sake of thousands, who in after years must pass from prison to death. John was to drink the cup of martyrdom. As the followers of Jesus should languish in lonely cells or perish by the sword, the rack, or the faggot, what a stay to their hearts would be the thought that John the Baptist, to whose faithfulness Christ himself had borne witness, had passed through a similar experience. Satan was permitted to cut short the earthly life of God's messenger. But that life which is hid with Christ in God, the destroyer could not reach. Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 He exalted that he had brought sorrow upon Christ, but he had failed of conquering John. Death itself only placed him forever beyond the power of temptation. God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led. If they could see the end from the beginning and discern the glory of the purpose which they are fulfilling as co-workers with him. Not Enoch who was translated to heaven. Not Elijah who ascended in a chariot of fire was greater or more honored than John the Baptist who perished alone in the dungeon. Unto you it is given in behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 And of all the gifts that heaven can bestow upon men, fellowship with Christ in his sufferings is the most weighty trust and 
the highest honor. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is The Highest Honor. We saw yesterday lessons from the imprisonment of John the Baptist and how it is that a misunderstanding of scripture can make us lose faith in God and begin to doubt him because we expect things that he didn't promise. Today we want to look at a different way of viewing things. Uh, we want our God to change our perception. You know, the faculties of our mind is what God has given to us as a talent which we are to improve upon and through these faculties we are to perfect our Christian character. The faculties being referred to are our will, our memory, our reasoning capacity, our conscience, our perception, our imagination and our intuition. These faculties God has given us to use to build a good character. But when we have one of these faculties not perfected, not built up to the best it ought to be, then we will have our characters not as that of Christ. For example, this faculty called the perception, our worldview, the way we see things, when we don't have the right perception, it will affect our character. That was what happened to John the Baptist and to his disciples and to all the Jews. They, are, they had a faulty perception that was formed because of the customs and traditions of the Jews. The popular belief had given them a false perception that the Messiah will deliver them from Rome. And because of this faulty perception, when they met Jesus, they kept on having this doubt in him some left him and never walked with him again because of a faulty perception and if our image if the image of jesus must be restored in us we need to allow the truth to form our perceptions because a faulty perception can lead you to hate jesus and satan knows that so let us have the right perception some people today have left jesus because of the false perception that he would deliver them from poverty and because they were not delivered they left him how did they leave him by going into sin the perception matters so let us go through these words today and form um, the best perception for ourselves understand what is the highest honor that you can receive in your perception, maybe because of the schools that you have gone to, you think that the highest honor will be for the president to call you and then to give you a badge of honor. For those in England, you feel that the highest honor is for you to get the name Sah, to be given that title of Sah by the side of your name. And others will have one thing or the other that they think is the highest honor. But let the word of God form opinions for us to teach us what the highest honor is so that when it is given to us we will receive it with joy and we will not reject it mark chapter 6 reading from verse 21 says concerning the issue of the imprisonment of john we already saw how herodias wanted him killed but herod was afraid of killing him because he liked john the baptist and he knew that if he did something like that he felt actually that it will cause a revolt in israel so reading from mark 6 from verse 21 it says and when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains and chief estates of Galilee. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in, and danced, and pleased Herod, and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, 
Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he sware unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry, yet for his oath's sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner. He didn't say he even gave it time. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel. And the damsel gave it to her mother. And when the disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus, and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and went out after them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion towards them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Amen. Now I read this last part because I wanted us to see how because of this death of John the Baptist, it it caused a lot of sorrow among the Jews. Now they all flocked around Jesus. But let us go through this account of the death of John the Baptist and looking at the players in it, Herod, Herodias, Jesus Christ and understand lessons from it. Firstly, the birthday of Herod. Reading from Review and Herald, April 8, 1873, it says, from paragraph 5, In the martyrdom of John, we have the result of intemperance. This eventful birthday of Herod should carry an earnest and faithful lesson of warning and exhortation to Christian temperance. The lovers of pleasure should look upon the birthday feast of Herod as a warning to beware of self-indulgences and popular pleasure. Herod and his guests were partly intoxicated. Reason was servant to the baser passions, and after Herod and his guests had gorged themselves like beasts with luxurious food, they added to their surfeiting drunkenness. The mental powers were enervated by the pleasure of sense, which perverted their ideas of justice and mercy. Satan seized upon this opportunity in the person of Herodias to lead them to rush into decisions which cost the precious life of one of God's prophets. The minds of Herod and his guests, under the effects of intemperance in eating and in drinking, were in a state of animal excitement. Herod was under the delusion that his oath made under the excitement of feasting, dancing, and reverie when nothing was too sacred for them to profane must be kept. 
the life of one of the greatest prophets that God had sent as a messenger to the earth was in the balance and this company of great men pronounced sentence of death after the intellect and manhood had been sacrificed to sensual indulgence. Herod was brought to the test before his guests. Would he lift himself up against the Lord of heaven and exalt his oath above the commandment of God which says thou shalt not kill? Would he preserve his honor and dignity as a king and violate the law of God in sacrificing the life of an innocent man? Or would he humble himself to ask his guests to release him from his rash oath? I'll, I'll stop here. End of quote. So one thing we are learning from the birthday of um, Herod is we should be careful not to engage in surfeiting and drunkenness because under such things, people make rash decisions. That's the first lesson. Secondly, the oath of Herod. Was Herod supposed to keep this oath? He was not supposed to. He was not supposed to. We have already learned before that oaths that are made that are not in harmony with the commandments of God should not be kept. I was just reading something now and I'll read it again. In the book, he review and herald April 8, 1873 from paragraph 7 says, Herod was brought to the test before his guests. Would he lift himself up against the Lord of heaven and exalt his oath above the commandment of God which said thou shalt not kill? Would he preserve his honor and dignity as a king and violate the law of God in sacrificing the life of an innocent man? Or would he humble himself to ask his guest to release him from his rash oath? If Herod and his guests had preserved the vigor of their intellect, their minds would have been awake to the sense to sense the noble demands of justice and duty, calm reason would have borne sway and they would have recoiled with horror at the thought of beheading an innocent man and he an exalted prophet of God. When Herod commenced his feast of revelry, if one had suggested to him the part he would act before its close in taking the life of John, he would have answered, Is thy servant a dog that he should do this? But under the excitement of wine, his rash vow was made that led to results that he would not cease to regret as long as life should last. Although the royal guests virtually had an invitation to release him from his oath, their tongues seemed paralyzed. Herod himself was under the delusion that he must, in order to save his own reputation, keep an oath made under the influence of intoxication. Moral principle, the only safeguard of the soul was paralyzed. Herod and his guests were slaves, held in the lowest bondage to brute appetite. The guardians of the people, men in authority upon whose decision the life of eminent men have hung, should have been condemned to death if found guilty of intemperance and crime. Those who have power to enforce laws should be law keepers. They should be men of self-government, fully enlightened in regard to the laws governing their physical, mental, and moral being, that their vigor of intellect may not be clouded, and that their standard of refinement and moral feeling may be exalted. End of quote. So, the other lesson we learn from here is something we have learned before. Do not keep an oath that you know will lead you to break God's commandments. Now, the other interesting part of this devotion is concerning Jesus. Jesus and John the Baptist both had a ministry. John the Baptist 
rebuked Herod. He spoke and called people to repentance. And what did he rebuke Herod for? He rebuked Herod for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife. Now, Herod had done something even worse than marrying his brother's wife. He imprisoned John the Baptist. So, what do you expect that people would want Jesus to do? They would expect that Jesus would follow suit. If you and John were in the same kind of ministry, talking about the same God, and John rebuked Herod, therefore, Jesus should also follow in rebuking Herod. But, Jesus did not do anything like that. From Conflict and Courage, page 278, paragraph 3, we understand why. It says, Jesus did not interpose to deliver his servant. He knew that John would bear the test. Gladly would the Savior have come to John to brighten the dungeon gloom with his own presence. But he was not to place himself in the hands of enemies and imperil his own mission. End of quote. What do we learn from here? Solidarity and advocacy Jesus did have for John, but he didn't show it by speaking up or going to write on Twitter or going to write on Facebook or going to write or doing a, or doing a YouTube video say talking about how he has solidarity for John and then calling out Herod. John, Jesus did not do that. Were it to be today, they would take you on a trip and cancel you and say oh if you have an organization and you don't show solidarity for these people or that people who you are in sympathy with then you will be cancelled were it to be people of today they will cancel jesus they will say oh we're not going to follow you again because you kept quiet while john was in prison you did not advocate you did not show solidarity but jesus had another mission and he was not going to jeopardize his mission let that teach us a lesson today because too many times things like this happen there might be one person raised up for a ministry and he speaks against general overseers and presidents of nations and of kings and then that person is expecting that every other person must join them in doing the same thing learn from john the baptist that each person has a different mission it is not to be expected that elijah and obadiah will do the same thing while Elijah was speaking against Ahab the king, Obadiah was given another mission. He didn't speak against Ahab, but he was given the mission of protecting and feeding other prophets of God. Had he spoken against Elijah, the life of those prophets that were under him would have been jeopardized and his mission would have been jeopardized. Different missions, different people. Let us respect each other's mission. Let us not think that other people's mission must suffer because our own is suffering. As John's mission had suffered because he was in prison, Jesus did not interpose because his own mission would have suffered and his mission was going to save many people. And John, when he understood it, he let it be. He didn't look at Jesus as a treacherous betrayer for keeping quiet while he was in prison it's a very huge lesson for us today because many will look at it today and wonder why are you not saying anything are you not seeing what is happening why are you keeping quiet why is jesus keeping quiet why are you why am i keeping quiet 
We all have a mission and if God has put it upon you to do something in speaking up, then go ahead. But if you have a greater mission, be careful not to jeopardize it because Jesus himself was careful. But it didn't mean that he supported Herod, of course not. In the book of Luke 13, verse 31 to 33, it says, The same day there came a came setting of the Pharisees, saying unto him, Get thee out and depart, depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. This was not the same day John Baptist was killed. It's another day altogether. Now, hear Jesus' response in verse 32. And he said unto them, Go ye, and tell that fox, that is Herod, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. Hear how Jesus addressed Herod. He said, Go ye and tell that fox. Herod was not someone that Jesus had a liking to because of this thing that he did to John the Baptist. Jesus later would be taken to this same Herod when he was to be crucified. And Jesus did not give him the honor of speaking even a word to Herod. Not one word. When Jesus was brought to Herod by the Jews and by the Roman soldiers, when Jesus was brought to him, Jesus stayed in the presence of Herod for a long time and Herod questioned and questioned and questioned Jesus. But do you know what Jesus said? Absolutely nothing. Pilate even had the pleasure of hearing words from Jesus. But Herod, he wasn't given that privilege, not one privilege of hearing a word from Jesus. And Jesus left that place of Herod in rebuke to him because he knew Herod knew who John was and killed him. So, one lesson we learn, solidarity and advocacy was not Jesus was not what Jesus involved himself in at this time. He had a greater work that he was doing and he did not like John speak up against the iniquity of Herod and Herodias. He didn't make Jesus a coward, not at all. We must learn to respect each other's mission under God. It is important to rally together and have one voice against sin, but let us understand the bigger picture before doing that. Let us choose what will serve for the best interest of our mission and for all men. The next lesson we learn from this imprisonment and also the death of John is that we need to look at the brighter side of death. Ever heard something like that before? Is there a brighter, a brighter side of death? Yes, there's a brighter side of death. There are two things that John the Baptist's death accomplished, at least two. There's much more than two. But from what we read today in our devotion, I read now from Conflict and Courage, page 278, paragraph 4, first of all, and also later paragraph 3, says, Satan was permitted to cut short the earthly life of God's messenger. But that life which is hid with Christ in God, the destroyer could not reach. He exalted that he had brought sorrow upon Christ, but he had failed of conquering John. Death itself had only placed him forever beyond the power of temptation. Amen. We are told that the Lord lays his people to rest so that they can be saved from temptation. That is the brighter side of death. When the righteous die, the Bible says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Death has its brighter side to lay to rest those who have fought the battles of the Lord. John the Baptist was subject to numerous temptations, a lot of them. And who knows, if he had even lived, whether he would have borne the temptation. There were many who were there to urge him to be the next Judas Maccabeus, to be the next deliverer of Israel. But he had 
overcome this temptation over and over again. Now, the Lord laid him to rest and it was for his best interest and the interest of everyone. The other lesson we learn, the brighter side of John the Baptist's death, is that it is a blessing for us today because in paragraph 3 we read gladly would jesus have delivered his servant but for the sake of thousands who in after years must pass from prison to death john was to drink the cup of martyrdom as the followers of jesus should languish in lonely cells or perish by the sword the rack or the faggot what a stay to their hearts would be the thought that john the baptist to whose faithfulness christ himself had borne witness had passed through a similar experience end of quote so This man, John the Baptist, is the one whom Jesus said that among all men that are born of women, they had not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the greatest prophet, what happened to him? Locked up in a dungeon, beheaded. Then, what am I to expect for myself if I am locked up in a dungeon? If the greatest prophet, the one who Jesus said is greater than all men that were born, if he passed through such an experience, it would then be a comfort to me as it has been a comfort to many in the past that I also am not any better and I can also get strength to pass through whatever trouble I pass through today. And so it is for all of us. How many of us have been locked up in dungeons? Are you as righteous as John the Baptist? Someone who is even more righteous and holier than yourself has passed through greater trials and difficulties. John the Baptist, locked up in prison, beheaded, Have you been locked up in prison? Is your head still on your neck? Then you are having it better than John the Baptist. You are having it better than him. You ought not to complain at all. You ought not to raise your voice in doubt and weeping, Oh Lord, why have you left me? Look at John. He is better than you, better than me. Jesus pronounced on him that he is the greatest of all the prophets. And yet see what he suffered. Let that comfort us in our trials and our troubles and know that truly Jesus still loves us even though we are passing through persecution and hardship and we are now towards the perception of understanding what true greatness and honor is. In paragraph 5 of our devotion we are told not Enoch who was translated to heaven, not Elijah who ascended in a chariot of fire was greater. You get that? These two men, Enoch and Elijah, were not greater or more honored than John the Baptist who perished alone in the dungeon. Why? Philippians 1 verse 29, unto you and me, it is given in behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. And of all the gifts that heaven can bestow upon men, fellowship with Christ in his sufferings is the most weighty trust and the highest honor. End of quote. Oh my, this perception we need to have. Do you see suffering as an honor? Do you see persecution as an honor? The mass of Christians today see it as a dishonor. They run away from it. They hate it. Suffering for Christ's sake? Oh no, nobody wants to pass through that. But they don't know what they are rejecting. They are rejecting the highest honor. Look at Elijah translated to heaven, Enoch translated to heaven, and then John the Baptist. Of these three men, you don't hear Jesus say Enoch was the greatest. You don't hear him say Elijah was the greatest. He singled out this man, John the Baptist. Not one book written. He didn't come down fire from heaven. He didn't say that the rain should not fall for three and a half years. He was not translated to heaven. Just a short ministry of a few months and then dungeon and beheading. He died. Yet this man 
is called greater than even than even Enoch and Elijah. We need our perception to change. What is honorable about dying on account of your faith? Yes, it is honorable. It is the greatest honor. Why? Because our Lord Jesus made it honorable himself by dying on account of his own faith. Reading from Matthew 10 verse 24 down to 33. Jesus said, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be made known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak in light, and what you hear in the ear, that preach ye, and the house tops, and fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you have more value than many sparrows. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Amen. So, here Jesus is saying to us that we should understand this. That fellowship with him in his sufferings is the greatest honor. Jesus honored death by dying himself. And we are not to look at suffering for Christ as a dishonor. So, when you look at yourself and realize that you are going through poverty because you will not involve yourself in the sins of the world to increase wealth, then you should understand you are suffering for Christ's sake and you are getting the highest honor that can be given to anyone. Are you being called fanatic, extremist, Beelzebub? because you are following every word of God, don't be offended. Don't try to remove the reproach from yourself because they called Jesus Beelzebub and he said the highest honor is for you to be like your master. Your master was called Beelzebub. People said that he was beside himself, that he was crazy, that he was mad, that he was brainwashed. He was persecuted and he was running from place to place. He had to flee a good number of times. He was stripped of his garments and was naked, nailed to a cross, whipped with strokes on his back, cords on his back, put a crown of thorn on his head, nailed to that cross and raised up for all to see. Shameful death he passed through. Are you passing through shame for the sake of Jesus? Have people mocked you? Have they done you evil things and called you names? You are getting the highest honor. And please, do not give it up. That is your honor. Your badge has been given to you. Take your own crown of suffering. That is what God is giving to you as your reward. That is your salary. That is your payment for following Christ. And you are to rejoice in receiving your salary. The perception of the world is to receive wealth and then they rejoice. But then we are told in the word of God that we should rejoice when we are persecuted. That's what Jesus said. Rejoice in that day knowing that our reward is great in heaven. That when men will separate you from their company and when they persecute you and when they call you all sorts of names for Christ's sake, Rejoice in that day is what Jesus said we should do. How can one rejoice? We have to have a change of perception. We have to see it this way. I am passing through what my Lord passed through. 
I am now coming to the state that Jesus was in. Satan has now counted me a threat to his kingdom and that is why he is treating me the way he treated my Lord Jesus Christ. This is a wonderful achievement. It's an honor for me for Satan to consider me worthy of the same kind of treatment he gave to Jesus. That means he considers me a threat. Then I should rejoice in that. And the last lesson I would like us to consider here is what we read earlier after the death of John. People were in sorrow and they gathered around Jesus. And when Jesus saw them, we read in Mark 6 verse 34, he says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. You see, Satan had brought sorrow upon Jesus through the death of John the Baptist. But he did not conquer John nevertheless. One can only imagine the sorrow of the Jews under the oppression of the Romans and Herod. Jesus had pity on them. The death of John had dashed their hopes and he looked forward to the day that this same experience will repeat itself when he himself, Jesus, will also be killed and the hopes of the Jews will be dashed again. He longed to give them a peace that passeth all understanding and to give the peace with God, the peace that John had as he died, the peace of knowing that our life is right with God. This peace he began to give them through his word because the Bible says he started to teach them many things. The people flocked around him now as their only hope for deliverance from Rome. But he was going to give them something better than deliverance from Rome. And what is that? Deliverance from sin. It was at this instance that that 5,000 flocked around him and he preached to them again for three days and he also fed them. Let this be a lesson for us too. We frequently see people suffering like the Jews, desiring freedom from poverty and hardship. Let us minister to their temporal and spiritual needs as much as we can. While we give them the spiritual meat that has been freely given to us, let us also as much as we can, as as much as is in our power to do, minister to their temporal needs. But we know that even though the people were expecting Jesus to be the next king, since the hope in John the Baptist was dashed and it no longer existed, Jesus did not say, well, I must satisfy their desires and their hopes. See how they are all flocking around me. Don't do that. Don't make the mistake of catering to people's desires and needs just because they are hoping on you. Give them the truth. Jesus did not mind them leaving him. Eventually, a lot of them left him. All these people who flocked around him. They left him when they saw that he was not willing to become king. After he fed the 5,000, that same day, they wanted to crown him king. But Jesus left them and told them to leave him. He did not accept it. He wanted them to understand that he had something better to give them. Deliverance from sin. The image of Christ in their lives. And us, we also must learn to do that. Give, be expecting the image of Christ rather than deliverance from bondage of things in this earth. And also give to people, more importantly, the deliverance of sin that comes through faith in God's word rather than just focusing on their temporal needs alone. I pray that God will help that these words shall be a transformation in our lives, that our perception shall change, and that we will see that suffering for Christ is the highest honor that can be given to any man. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for your words which you have graciously given to us today. It is very difficult for us to see things the way you see it. Fellowship with Christ and his sufferings being the highest honor. 
Lord, I pray that you would brainwash us and take away the false perceptions that we have had. Help us to do exactly what you said. Your word said that we should rejoice when we are persecuted. I pray, Lord, change our minds and help us like John and Peter who rejoiced in persecution. Help us to also rejoice. Thank you for hearing our prayers and answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Together for good.